Well, good morning. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here. We've been in this series called Church on the Go, and uh, we've been looking at the book of Acts and seeing the churches moving and doing all kinds of great things uh, around uh, and spreading the, the kingdom in different places. Hopefully, you've gotten to go somewhere this summer, or you've had a great staycation of some sort uh, where you got projects done. Did you get to go somewhere? If you did, shake your heads like this, somewhere cool. This week, I'm going to get to go to one of, to maybe my favorite place on the planet. I will be sitting on Thursday in the bleachers at Wrigley Field. Yes, very excited about that. A friend of mine called up and said, hey, I got all these points and I need to use them on something, so why don't I pay for your way to get there in a hotel? And I said, yes, sir, I'll meet you at Wrigley. And uh, two questions to answer for you. Yes, the Cubs are still bad, and no, I don't care what you think uh, at all. Because they are my team, and you have your bad team, and, and we'll just live that way, okay? But uh, we've been in this, this book of Acts, and it's great to see what God's doing through the church. And today we're in Acts chapter 13, if you want to head that way. What's happening here, there's all kinds of, of shifts that are happening within the church at this time. Now, the first shift is this movement from church being a building to be a, being a people that are moving and going. And we see that throughout the book. There's another shift that happens about this point in the book of Acts, in chapter 13. A lot of our talk so far has been about Peter. But right now we're going to hit a place where basically the rest of the, of the book of Acts is going to be about Paul, and, or Saul, uh, and, and for the rest of the, the time with his ministry. And at this point we're also taking a, a huge shift. It happened about in chapter 11 from the city of Jerusalem, kind of the epicenter of, of Jewish culture and life there to the city of Antioch. Antioch weighs down the road, and the church kind of found its way to this place. And, and Antioch was about the third largest city in the region. And there were tons and tons of different people. It was a melting pot of people. In fact, most of the culture wasn't Jewish. It were from a variety of locations and places. Um, we had a, a youth pastor candidate that came in a couple of weeks ago. Very excited. I can unofficially, not officially, announced that we have a youth pastor coming. We're, we're very uh, pumped about it. He's going to be great. I can't officially announce it because he hasn't officially announced it, and word travels these days, so we won't want to do that. But a couple of weeks ago, they came into town, this lovely couple that you're going to get to meet, and uh, I was in a couple of different settings with people, and I would ask this question, just try to just stir conversation. What is your favorite thing about Houston? What do you love about H-Town, Okay. Turn to your neighbor, give me two or three things that you just, I love Houston because of this. Go. All right, well, we're going to go by sections today. All right, this section over here, name, just yell at something. What do you, what do you love about Houston? Traffic. Traffic. <laughs> Lying in church is, uh, I don't know about that. Family. Family in Houston. This section over here. Food. The food over here. You don't have to use the, no snow, the weather, Yes. 
humid. I'm not taking anything from you. Uh, Tech the Texans, all right? Good. Lots of things. People said different answers. Number one, I think, on the list for everybody, we've got some of the best places to eat on the planet. I don't know if you know this. We're very spoiled. One of the things in just conversation, the thing that I really love about uh, Houston, we're a melting pot. We're just a melting pot of cultures and people that have all come together in this place. And a lot of us are from here, and a lot of us aren't from here. I'm starting to feel like a Texan. I don't know if it's the five-year mark that it just hit me. I'm never going to be... I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm never going to be the boot-wearing, what do you call this thing, buckle-wearing cow. But let's be honest, neither are you guys either. (laughs) People come here and they're like, where are all the, you know, the, you know, the stuff? And they're like, that's that's rodeo week. That's rodeo week. That's that's when we bring all that stuff out. But I'm really starting to brace the town. Other than the Astros, I, I am a Texans fan now. I'm a Rockets fan I am just a fan of Houston. I love it. And I love just this melting pot of people. And, and that's what Antioch really was all about. I mean, it's very similar to Houston. Third largest city in the area. This just hosh posh of culture. In fact, commentators call it the New York City of the, of the day. You know, and I kind of think we do New York better than New York does New York, okay? And, and they said Antioch was where East met the West. Kind of sounds like kind of sounds like us. We do New York better because we're a melting pot and we're just nicer people than people from New York are. And if you're from New York, I apologize. Um, There's also a shift that's going on. There's a shift from being very exclusive to being very inclusive. At the time, there was kind of this, you know, they didn't say this, but there was a little, kind of three B's there. You have to behave, you have to act right, then you can believe. And then if you act right, you believe, you have faith, then you can belong, okay? Now, there was a, a shift that was happening here. What was going on is saying, we're basically saying the new church, hey, you, you belong. We love you. You're, you're a part. It doesn't matter what your, your, your story is. You're a part. You can believe. When, when, when someone feels a part, when they know how much you care, they begin to believe. And then the actions they will follow. The Holy Spirit will lead that way. It's a beautiful thing. There's also, there's been this inclusive message, and we're seeing that where it's being spread all around, and people are, are being a part of that and joining, and we're seeing that with Jewish people, with Gentile people, with people from Africa, from Ethiopia. You see that in the stories that we've read so far, and, and we definitely see it in Acts chapter 13. So here's where we are, Acts chapter 13. Starting with verse 1, it says this, Among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch uh, of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menon, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and set them on their way. Now, a lot of times when the Bible just starts to list people and places, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. It's kind of showing us something there. And if you just look at these five names of people, it's representing what's happening in the church. I mean, this eclectic melting pot of people is happening right here in in Antioch. Let's start with, with Saul. Okay, Saul was a church kid. He grew up in church. He knew all the rules. He knew 
the Bible verses. He knew when to say Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit at the right time. He probably, you know, he memorized the verses. He was the teacher's pet at, at Sunday school. He knew God, but he didn't know God. He didn't know God personally. That, that's Saul's story. Then we had this Barnabas. Who was this guy Barnabas? Well, his actual name was Joseph. And then they just said, you know what? I don't know how nicknames come about. Some, sometimes they're just given. But Barnabas, son of encouragement, he's the guy that just always has something positive to say. And you know those people? They're just so encouraging all the time. They are lemonade every day. It's just peaches and is it cream? Or I was going to say peaches and gravy, but... <laughs> Gravy goes with everything. <laughs> but they're just always encouraging. This, this is Barnabas' story. In fact, it's when, when Saul converts to, to Christianity, when he gives his life to Jesus, the rest of the world, the rest of the disciples are like, whoa, whoa, we know about this guy. He's the guy that's been threatening everyone, throwing people in prison. He was the guy that held the coats when Philip was martyred. There's no way we can trust this guy. And what does Barnabas do? The encourager, the believer, goes up and says, hey, I've heard this guy's story, and I believe in him. So should you. And everyone rallied behind that. He's also the guy later on that John Mark, he deserts the effort in, uh, in Acts. And, and, and Saul says, you know what? Hey, he left us. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea that we bring him along. And Barnabas said, hey, I believe in him. I'm going to stand beside him. He was an encourager. My, my sister-in-law is an, an encourager, Carrie. She just, I don't think she can say a negative word. Great, great people in, 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 the, in the world. There was Simeon, and, and my Bible says the black man. Now, I don't know if they just were really, uh, I don't know if they just couldn't get creative with the, the nickname there, and they were just like, let's, you know, I, I played basketball in my inner city of North Augusta, which is not an inner city at all, Okay. And most of the time, I was the only white person on the court. And guess what they would call me? White boy. Uh, hey, white ball. White, white boy, pass me the ball. Hey, white boy. I don't know if that was like the, the just obvious here, but every commentator I read, it says that Simeon, he was from Africa. He was also Jewish. It was this melting pot coming together here in this, this city. There was Lucius from Cyrene. He was a Hellenistic Jew, which is basically combining Jewish culture and, and Greek culture, and, and mainly spoke, mainly spoke Greek. And then there's this, this Manon character. Do you, you see that in the Bible? We'll just call him Manny. And he, it says he was friends, and some places it says lifelong friends. He was a confidant. He was like you know, an advisor to Herod of Antipas. Okay? No Herod. We, we know that name. That, that sounds familiar. Herod the Great, his father, he actually is the, 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 the king that was, when Jesus was born, what happened? He was so worried about this new possible Messiah that he killed all the kids to and under. He actually, pretty, pretty ruthless guy, had his second wife ex executed, had his brother-in-law killed, had his mother-in-law killed. Dysfunctional family. Now that's Herod the Great. This is Her Herod Antipas. He was a train wreck too, okay? This is his story. Lifelong friends with Manny. He married his stepbrother's ex-wife. Talk about awkward family reunions. Stepbrother's ex-wife. 
right? He was the one, if you remember the story, that had his stepdaughter dance for everyone, and he liked this dance from his stepdaughter so much, you can read into that all you want, that, that he had John the Baptist killed on her request. He basically said, you can have anything, I'll give you half the kingdom, it's yours, after this dance. And she said, well, I want John the Baptist's head. And she, he, he gives it to her. It's a pretty messed up situation here. And Manny is best friends with this guy. Hey, we don't have to read too much there to know that he was a part of that. In fact, this Herod, he was the Herod. I don't know if you remember the story, but Pilate, he doesn't know what to do with Jesus. So he basically says, you know what, he's a part of your section, your region. Herod, you take care of it. He brings Jesus in and, and, and has heard that he does magic and basically says, hey, do some tricks for us, Jesus. And when Jesus refuses, what does he do? He beats him and, and makes fun of him. I guarantee, well, I don't guarantee it. I'm, I'm betting that, that Manny was there when that happened. And here's the Manny that's leading the church. It's, it's, it's amazing. And one of the things I hear a lot of when just inside conversations with students and others, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand my past. I'm telling you half of what I am and, and what I've done. If you knew the other half, <laughs> you wouldn't even let me in the church. Can I tell you right now, there's nothing that you can do. You don't have the ability to out God's grace. And that, my friends, is the glory, the beauty of grace in, in, in the world. And that's what the common denominator is here. With all these people, this eclectic group, I, I found this picture. It's, it's a funny story. It's, the, it's a Lego one. This guy decided to like, hey, I don't know if he had a lot of time on his hands, uh, but he's like, I'm going to take Legos and tell the whole story of the Bible. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, and uh, that's the Holy Ghost, by the way. We'll, we'll get there in a second. Go back to the first one. But this is kind of just this eclectic group, and, and they're, they're brought together. They're brought together by a common denominator of grace. The beauty of our story here, folks, in Houston, and I love it. I love it. We are an eclectic group of people. We all have different stories. I don't know what your background is, but I know a few of them. We have some atheists. We have some former Muslims. We have some people that didn't want to have anything to do with church, and we have people that grew up in church and didn't know God at all. We've got people that, that love country music. we got people that love 90s alternative music. Uh, we've got people that are just addicted to that wonderful thing called coffee in the morning, and you go to places and you pay too much for it, and other people roll your eyes at that whole thing. We've got people that have a laundry list of sins in their lives from their past. And we have some people that just don't feel like that they have many sins at all in their life. We've got all kinds of people, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Common denominator is grace. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And we're going to put it on the screen here. My, uh, my wife is, uh, she, she's amazing, and especially when it comes to Scripture. And one of the things I appreciate about her is she takes Scripture and she writes it down. And she puts it in different places. And you'll find these things, these little tags of Scripture all over the place. This passage of Scripture is our common denominator. And if you just take a few, I'm not going to read it for you. I'm going to let you read it. 
There's, I think it's three different slides, but just check out these verses. go to the next one. Let me highlight a few things. You were dead. You were dead. You were dead because of our sin, our disobedience. But God, but God is so rich in mercy and love that he offers us, he offers us redemption. He offers us a, a new life. And it's not a reward for the good things that we've done, but he gives us to, uh, give it to, gives us, to us freely. And if, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're his disciple, your story goes like that. There was a time that you did not know Christ. You were dead in your sin. You came to know him, and now your life is different. I love to hear people's story. They're all different. They're all, they're all unique. And uh, there's a story that I want us to, to hear this morning. There is a, a site called IamSecond.com. It's a great site full of people's stories and testimonies. And there is a guy by the name of Lecrae. It's a hip-hop uh, artist, Christian singer, and he's actually from Houston originally, and he is sharing his story with the world in, in a different form. Check out Lecrae's story. I love to hear people's stories. God loves to hear people's stories. What's your story? Do you, do you know what your I mean, have you, have you thought about it? Have you even articulated it? Here, here's a challenge for you. You know, every story, when we, we come to know Christ, is, is fairly similar. What was your life like before you knew Jesus? How did you come to know Jesus? And now, what is your life like? You saw that in, in Lecrae's story, and he's sharing his story with a new generation in, in a different way. What's your story? If you haven't written it down, do that. Practice telling your story. That's what God's calling us to do in this world, is to tell our story. And you see that with Saul's life. He goes on to tell his story over and over and over. This is who I was. This is who I am. This is how I came to know Jesus. And, and now this is how my life is and what it looks like. Can you tell your story? That's what Jesus is calling us to do. In fact, there's a church that I know. You know, we, we love to baptize people. And we love to share video stories. There's a church that's in Atlanta. Unless that you can articulate your salvation story, then they don't baptize you, which is kind of radical. There's a little tension in the room right now, okay? You're like, well, I don't like to be on video. I, I don't want, you know, I'm kind of nervous about it. Can, can we just have a moment here? We need to get over some of that stuff. I mean, we're called to be disciples, to reach a world. We need to be able to share that story with others if we're going to be a church on the go. And Paul was on the go. And, and you, you uh, maybe have some of these maps in your Bible. That's where we're kind of at the place right now. We're going to throw some maps on the screen. 
Paul goes on these missionary journeys, and it starts in chapter 13, and you can kind of see all these lines everywhere. There's three actual journeys that he goes to. He goes to different places, and he's sharing the gospel, and he's sharing his story with different locations all around. The first missionary journey kind of looks like this, and that's what this 13 is all about, is the Holy Spirit speaks to these five eclectic people, these, these leaders, and he says, you know, they say, Saul and Barnabas, you are designated to go out this week, our, our kids, our teens are at, at camp. I'm going to head back tonight and uh, just heard great news that services have been going good. The Holy Spirit's been present. And uh, there's, hopefully there's a picture of our kids at camp. The theme this week is rhythm. And, and I love it because it's this getting into rhythm with God and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you can pick out some smiling faces that you know on that screen. Uh, and then the guy in the red, we don't know who that is, uh, with the beard. He's not with us, but we'll take him. Uh, but there's this rhythm. Getting in the rhythm with the Holy Spirit takes you to different places and leads you. And that's what's happening here. They basically send out Paul. They send out Barnabas, and they go. Now, various locations they go to at first. You look at verse uh, 14 and 16 and 13. They're going to different cities. They're, they're going to preach the good news and tell stories. And uh, Paul and Barnabas, they travel to this place called Antioch of Poseidon, which is different than the, the main Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, they went to the synagogue for their services. After the usual readings from the book of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent them this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So Paul, he stood up, he lifted his hand to quiet them, and he started to speak. And he said, men of Israel, the mostly Jewish crowd here, he said, you are God-fearing Gentiles, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. And he goes on, and he uses the history. He uses the history of God's people, Israel, from the beginning uh, to tell the story. And what does he, he weave into the story? Verse 23, it is one of King David's descendants who, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. He uses their story to tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. I kind of think that God has called us to be road signs in the world. Paul, I just think about all these places that he's going and just imagine road signs. I, I like road signs. They're, sometimes they're very funny. I found a couple of funny ones. This one is a legit road sign, and I don't know why that they would even print it, but it's funny. Uh, then you have another one I think was very funny. Uh, it reminds me of the story in the Bible about Elijah and the bear, and the, uh, there's a funny story where the bear mauls the children because he's bald. Never mind. Uh, read that later on. Uh, but there's sometimes signs are kind of confusing. Um, and this kind of, we feel this in Houston, don't we? Uh, we love our traffic here. A couple of other confusing signs here. Uh, yeah. Keep going. There you go. What's going on? And that's kind of just a duh sign. Duh, for, for some people. And then there, this, I have seen this sign in Houston somewhere. I, I feel like it's very familiar uh, to me, but sometimes signs can, can be confusing, yeah? But the, the main point of signs really is to point people in the right direction and to communicate it in a way that people can read it. You can, if you can see a sign and you don't understand the sign, it, it doesn't really help you. And so Paul, all throughout his preaching and his teaching, he's trying to point people to Jesus. That's what his life is all about. It's pointing people 
to Jesus. You see it again in, in Acts chapter 17. He goes into this place called Athens. And in Athens, they're a very well-learned, schooled, educated group of people, and they have lots of different gods, but there's not really a Christian presence that's there in Athens. And he goes on to talk to them about kind of their culture. You can read that in, in Acts verses 17, or 17, 22 through 31. And as he's preaching to these people, you know what he uses? He, he, the, the first time he met with Jewish people, he was using the word, the scripture. But these people don't know scripture very well. They probably, maybe in passing, but they, they don't have it in their, their hearts. And so what does Paul use? He actually uses a couple of poets. He uses this guy by the, the name of Epimendes. Epimendes was basically his story was he was known for being the guy that was working as a, as a shepherd. And he went into a cave and he fell asleep for 57 years. And then he woke up with this gift of prophecy. He was just kind of a philosophy guy then. So Paul uses this kind of this quote, this story from, from him to be an illustration to the people there in, in Athens. You see, Paul was able to use various things. He was able to use dumb and dumber, and he was able to use a, a, an Academy Award winning film. He was able to use various times, different kinds of, of things to influence people because the goal is to be relevant, to be relevant to people. And, and you can see this over and over again. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 22, it says this, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I lived under the law. Even though I'm no subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of, of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share its blessings. It's chapter 13 that we see Saul become Paul. It just kind of is a subtle shift. There where suddenly it's Saul, also known as Paul. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon about this name shift or have heard it before. I always, I'm going to confess, I always thought, okay, he became Paul when he became a Christian, a Christ follower. And that's why he suddenly became Paul. We should take on a new name as, as Christ followers. But that's not true. The reason why he became Paul is because that was his Roman name. And he could go through the Roman province and he could use the name of Paul and he would get into more places and he would have a bigger audience, and he'd be able to speak to people who would certainly be turned off by his former name. That's the reason why Saul became Paul, so that he could reach a, a, a different people. We're called to be road signs, pointing people in the right direction, written in a language that people can understand. Written in a, a language that people can understand. But that doesn't mean we have to become like everyone else. There's a movie, I, I confess this, I... I know this is weird, and I'm a little embarrassed by it, but I shared this a couple weeks ago, but I've suddenly found myself like addicted to this show, The Walking Dead. Uh, I'm not proud of that by any means, but I just, I, didn't, I never thought I would be like a person that would watch zombie stuff. It just is, 
is, is, is kind of gross and weird, and I am, get scared a lot by those kind of things, but the characters have sucked me in, that kind of thing. And uh, there's actually another, I was flipping through, and there's this other movie that was on TV the other day, Shaun of the Dead, and it's this comedy about zombies. And so I'm sitting there watching for a few minutes, and there is this scene that, that comes on. And basically the people, they're trying to run from the zombies, okay? Uh, they're trying to escape the zombies. They're trying to get to a building, okay? And they're all English, which makes it a lot funnier uh, because they all have accents. And... Uh, so they're trying to figure out a way, how do we get to that building over there? There's zombies all around, and so they decide we act like zombies, okay? And so they practice, and they're, which is very funny, and they're all around, and, and I would show the clip, but there's, you know, blood and stuff, and it's all around, and okay, they get to the building, they're intermingling with the zombies, they, they get to the place, and suddenly one of them has their phone on, and they leave it on like people do in awkward places. Hello, how are you? He talks to the person. The zombies are like, and suddenly the zombies that weren't paying attention were saying like, and they start to come over and attack the people. Uh, You know, God has called us, weird analogy, I know, uh, God has called us to live in the world to be relevant to the world, but, but not to be of the world. Um, our life, and this is just kind of a, a Paul thing here. When he goes to a place, he tries to speak the language. He, he looks around and sees, okay, what's, how, can I, can I, can I, how can I reach people with Jesus? How can I speak in a world that they live? And listening is a big part of evangelizing. But at the end of that time, people begin to ask questions. They begin to ask questions when they look at Paul and they hear Paul. So the question I have for you today, do people ask you questions? Did, did they listen to you? Did they hear you? Did they watch your life? And did they notice something that's different? Or do you just look like everybody else? You just look like everybody else. Because Paul was relevant, but he didn't get sucked into the vortex of, of that world. I, I have a neighbor, and I, I'm trying, I, I confess that there was about a couple of years there that I barely knew my neighbors in the neighborhood I lived in. And it just got really convicted me about that, and I'm trying to get to know people subtly around my, my cul-de-sac. And there is a, a family that, that lives near us, and, and I, I would the boys would be out playing, and I'm trying to connect to this person, and, and I found myself, every time that I would talk to, to him, I, I kind of get just sucked into this language, and it's kind of the parent language. It's the, well, how are you doing? Well, we're surviving, you know, surviving. Got three kids and two people playing the zone defense. You know, it's not one on, man on man anymore, and you know, just tired and I'm busy and these words that we use all the time, you know, I, I just throw these out all the time because that's kind of the language that we use, you know, just surviving, just busy, just tired. And I, I really, it just kind of hit me one day. And as I walked away from that conversation, very similar to other conversations, how am I any different? This isn't a call to survive. The early church wasn't about surviving. 
The early church was about going, thriving, being different. God tells us there's some things that, that are very uh, measurable in our lives that, that show us if we're different. And uh, the band's coming, if, if you don't mind coming up now. They're pretty obvious in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Joy, love, joy, peace, patience. These things sound familiar, don't you? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if we take and we just made a list of these things, and just what are the opposites of these words? I think that gives us a pretty clear picture of what the, how the world lives. If you take the word like peace, what, what's the opposite? Stress, chaos, fear. What about love? It's a word like the opposite would probably, I don't know, hate, bitterness, judgment, joy. Let me tell you, if you live with joy in this world, people are going to notice. Because we live in a world that is absent of joy. The commentary of the world is just so negative right now. And it wants to suck us into that, that place. But instead of joy, just living the opposite would be like a negativity. Just a, a concept of negativity, negativity all around. Patience. Do you have patience in situations that want to try your patience? A couple weeks ago, I got a new car. Not new, new to me. And uh, my son goes and he rips the door handle off the back door. He's holding it in his, in his hand. <laughs> son watching, neighbor, neighborhood watching. And I just had one of those like kind of moments. Patience. It's hard sometimes, isn't it? Kindness. Are you self-seeking or are you other-seeking? Goodness. Are you filled with goodness? Do you want the best for other people? Or are we so full of jealousy and, and insincerity? Faithful. Can you be counted on? Are you gentle? Self-control. Out of control. These are the things, let me tell you, if, if you live these things, if the Holy Spirit is producing these things in your life, I guarantee you, somebody's going to come to you and say, what's up with you, man? Why do you act like that? Why, do you, why are you so different? I mean, seriously, why are you so different? I mean, this job is terrible. And you come to work and, and you're, you act like you're just in paradise. How was how that possible? When the Spirit is working inside of you, we're in rhythm with Him. 1 Peter 3 15 through 16. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of our life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready. Always be ready to explain it. But do this as a gentle and a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, then you then they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong we're living out this story in the world, as we're called to be road signs, as we're called to point to Jesus in everything that we do, as we're called to be relevant, to listen to people, how can we, how can we speak Jesus into people's lives? When we do that, people are going to start asking questions. So maybe that's the 
first question that we should ask ourselves. Are people asking questions? And if they're not, why not? Why not? And if they do ask me, am I going to be able to tell them? Am I going to be able to tell them why I have this hope, this love, this peace? Uh, There's a song that we sang uh, earlier. It's a simple song, Take My Life. Take my life. It's an offering to you. We live in a world that needs hope. They need Jesus. They need the love and the grace that we have found. And God wants to use you. He wants to use your story. Sometimes he wants to use your pain. We talked a little bit about that last week to help people see Jesus. As we stand this morning, maybe you want to take a few minutes and spend time with our Lord and say, God, what would you have me to do? Who would you have me to speak to? How can I do that in your name? God, I thank you so much for your saving grace and your love. God, every day we have an opportunity to worship you and to praise you, Lord. We think about that Ephesian passage, Lord, that's who we were before you, God. Or sometimes it's hard to think about the past, God, but when we think about the past, Lord, we don't have to be, we don't have to stay in that past, Lord. We can live in the awesomeness of your love and your grace, Lord, that has overflowed in our life, God. And we praise you for that today, God. We thank you for who you are and what you've done for us, Jesus. Lord, as we talked about stories, God, I, Lord, I pray for that person that's here today that was saying maybe in their heart and their lives that they don't have a story. They're just living in the before. God, Lord, we thank you for your gift of salvation, Lord, that we can come to you and give our past to you, where we can ask for forgiveness of sins, Lord, we can confess to you, Lord, and your grace overflows in those areas of our lives. And we can begin a relationship right now. And if you're here today and, you're, and you've got that, that, that conversation going on in your heart right now, today can be the day of salvation for you. As you're praying with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, all you have to do is ask Christ to come into your life to forgive you of your sins and begin this relationship right now, right here. And your story can begin in this moment by faith, believing in the one that saved. Lord, I pray that you would use us, your people, God, to go this week, to go out into the world, to tell others our story of grace, what you've done for us. Lord, there are people in our lives, Lord, you've placed them intentionally there. And God, we can talk about a lot of different things, Lord, but sometimes we don't talk about the most important thing, and that's you. God, give us courage. Lord, give us words. Would give us boldness to start conversations, to live out grace everywhere, in, in our workplace, at home, on our, our Facebook and social media accounts, where the people would see these words, peace, patience, kindness, just flowing out of who we are. Lord, we love you today. We pray these things in your name. Amen.